Today on the show, the one, the only, Richie Carter. So, I was in Venice and I decided to go out night painting. Uh-huh. And so I went to this. During the night, that's like the only time there's like nobody in the street, otherwise it's so packed. So I, I decided to go night painting and I went to this very main tourist spot called the Bridge of Size that looks at this crazy bridge that connects the palace and the prison. There was a bridge that they'd take the prisoners over. It's this really ornate, beautiful white bridge. So I was painting there at like two in the morning, and a couple of random drunk groups came by me. And then <laughs> this man, this old, old man, well, not old, old, he's like probably 70s old man, comes up to me and he's wearing a cape. And he's like dressed like some like opera character. Yeah. And he starts talking to me, and I think in French. And we were speaking French, and then he's like, well, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from Montana. And then he's like, oh, and then he switched to English. And then we were speaking <laughs> in English, and he was just, like, talking about, and he had the, the most interesting accent. He spoke perfect English, but this, like, really, like, like theatrical, like, accent way of speaking. And, and so he's, like, talking to me while I'm painting, and he's like, I play the castanets. And I was like, what are those? And he's like, it's like, it's a... Spanish Baroque instrument. It's those little clacker things. You know? Oh yeah. And he's like, I just got done playing with some gentleman out in the piazza or whatever. And so he pulls out. He's like, Would you like me to play them? And I was like, Yeah, sure. That sounds cool. And he pulls out these like those clackers, and he just is like, ah. and He just like <laughs> goes into this just like performance, and he's like, and like in this empty street and like empty like canals, and it's echoing through the walls and bouncing off. It was like, it was magical, and he's just like, and I'm just sitting there painting, I'm just like, this is amazing. And, uh, and then he talked, I don't know, we talked for like an hour or something, and he was just so interesting. His name was Anders, and he was from Sweden. Oh, wow. And he lived in Geneva, and he spoke Swedish, French, English, Spanish, all completely fluent, like just really? beautifully. And he was God, learning cool. Italian, and so then, he was there for a weekend. We actually end up meeting up like every day, and we go have lunch. Really? And yeah, we go get drinks and have How old was coffees. He? He's probably seventy-ish. Dude, that's so awesome. Um, yeah, so I end up meeting up with him like like every day and just like chatting with him, and he's just like just start telling me about his like family and like oh, he's just had the, he's just really cool. And then he ended up buying three of my paintings. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Richie Carter, the young gun painter of Kalispell, Montana, is on the rise. You can find him in Southwest Art Magazine's 21 Under 31 September issue. This spring, he spent several weeks painting around Europe, where he traveled with a sketchbook and his watercolor set. In a few weeks, he'll head back to France to teach a workshop. A while back, he came down to Billings to spend a little time with me and to fulfill a lifelong dream of his to see Garth Brooks live in concert. I count it an honor to call this guy my friend, and I'm proud to say that Montana Gallery represents his work. Richie is not only a painter, but also a talented writer and musician. At the end of this episode, we've included one of his original songs. On the day of the Garth Brooks concert, we grabbed breakfast and we recorded the following. 
Enjoy. And I was like, I'm gonna go out plein air painting. I'm just yeah. gonna do it. And the first one I did was like huge. I don't oh, know really? why. Yeah, it was so dumb. I had, picked, yeah, like, I had it, it was like pretty terrible. I mean, it's oil a, painting. It's an oil painting. I still have it. It's pretty weird. Um, but yeah, it was it was large, and I was like, I so naive. I kind of like that, like where yeah. I go into things naive, and it ended. Like if I tried that now, I would get my butt kicked even worse, probably. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like when I I didn't know what was going on, I, I just did it, you know. Yeah. I worked on it quite a few times in the studio after to to bring it up to finish, but it's pretty bad. Who were some of your most influential teachers? Definitely, I mean, I've talked about her a lot. My high school art teacher, Susan Guthrie, yeah. who that set set me kind of on that like that Passive. pursuit of like this more real like of traditional realism. realism. Yeah, open open your eyes to. Yeah, I guess naturally I was like wanting to paint things and like observing. Yeah. Like I said, I found I could like recreate things, so she allowed me to, you know, do that. Whereas in college, it was kind of a fight. It was like mm-hmm. you can't just draw things <laughs> and so then it was like what? but I want to learn how to draw things teach me and then it, it just wasn't what they're teaching um, yeah and so it, then at that point it was like just a lot on my own getting out there painting and then taking some workshops is what ultimately oh, really? okay yeah got me on that path which I took three workshops from John Poon a Utah based painter and he he just I he was like probably the most influential then okay. with this path that I'm on now. Yeah. To uh, he just gave me all these things I was trying to learn on my own. Yeah. He just said them, and the way he said them, I had been trying to learn them for so long that they clicked immediately, mm. like immediately. And so my painting just really transformed. Um, okay. That was a huge turning point. Uh, probably like five years ago. Yeah. Six years ago. And I took a series of three workshops from over like a year yeah. or something. Can you give us an example of like one of those things that clicked immediately um, when you said it? Yeah, he would like I was. I remember I was always just trying to figure out. Okay, how do you decide what you're gonna get? You look around and you're pl- you're out on site and you see your peripheral vision like in a three sixty degrees how do you decide what you're gonna put on mm-hmm. there and what makes a compelling image what makes a readable image and it was always just kind of like trying to this piece like I was just trying to paint exactly what was there all the time and I figured I thought I had to do that and he and I was like oh, I just don't like the way like sometimes I get something successful but then sometimes not and he gave me this uh, the idea of a, a value structure of three to five large value masses and if you can make a landscape up just at the very yeah. base with mm-hmm. that and then have a lot of supporting shapes that lead your eye around or whatever, but it completely simplified for me that chaos that's in front of you so often when you're out on site. Yeah. Like, how do I take all that in and put it on a little canvas? So he, you know, he'd been trying to do that over and over and failing so many times, and he just gave me these little like clear ideas about value, large value masses and a good value pattern to to do that, and it just was like, oh, yeah. That's why image reads clear because there's only th- from far away you can put it into three value shapes yep. and those value shapes are different size 
and shape and value, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was one of the big ones. One of the big ones. Cool. Um, all right, let's go in and get some. Let's go get some breakfast. Let's get some breakfast. And then we'll continue talking. Maybe a little bit more about this uh, idea of composition and like what it is that you're looking for. Yeah. Great. Or whatever it is. I'm seeing Garth Brooks today. Oh, okay. I'm doing this this spinach and feta. Okay. Savory. Which one's better? They're both so But if he's doing one, you should do the other, and then you Is it like? Is it something that you want two waffles or is it? No. No, they're pretty big. In fact, you may not even want the amount that we give you. Okay, let's go hang out in the gallery. We'll get our waffles. Eat our waffles over there. Okay. Yeah. I see your your three value structure thing happening in your paintings. Yeah. Yep. I see that. And then little tiny, mm -hmm. little tiny supporting supporting. Shapes. Yeah. Shapes. Yep. I kind of like. I don't think about it. Uh, oh, no, I, I do. I do. I, I. I guess I find myself thinking about it a little bit less and less. Yeah. It's almost like once you kind of like, you have that you're like juggling balls and then you can put mm -hmm. the one down. It's kind of like I, I kind of put that one down a lot of times. But if I ever feel lost, I always go yeah. back to that. Okay. It's like, Okay, this is why it's not working because it's too, too much crap going on. Yeah, or like Simplified. the shapes themselves. The shapes are interesting. not interesting. They're yeah. they're similar. That's yeah. usually what it comes back to. It's like Isn't everything is too similar. Yeah, and that's yeah. If you can have simplicity and variety at the same time, that's always the, yeah the most effective for me. <clears throat> oh yeah, I wanted to ask what's what's one of those other. What's one of the balls that you have juggling up in the air right now? Right now, um, I think uh, like color and edges are mm. something that, like color, temperature, yeah. and edge work are things that I'm like really juggling right now, trying to be like focus on uh -huh. a little bit more, yeah, and, and try to actually be a bit more, um, yeah. Yeah, sensitive to like the effects they can have. Yeah, you know. So I don't know how it's going, but yeah. I'm definitely thinking about it a lot. <laughs> All right. Can you describe what just okay, happened? We just got two <laughs> waffles so sat down right in front of us. Sun-dried tomato, feta, spinach, mm -hmm. waffles. I've never seen anything like it actually. See how it tastes. Oh my gosh. Where are we right now? We are uh, currently at Montana Gallery connected to Evan Coffee. And Evan has just provided these insane looking waffles and one of the more delicious caps I've, I've had. Mm. Pretty wonderful. Oh my god. <laughs> Can I swear on here? Hmm? Can I swear on here? Mm-hmm. Like shit. Wow. Can you say shit? Yeah. Yeah. Mmm. Whoa. Oh man, that's so oh good. Oh my god. Oh, 
That pesto sauce? Yeah, seriously. Dang. It's a savory waffle. Oh. Freak. Dude, Lenny, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, Lenny, this is insane. Jackson's the queen of waffles. I don't know what to say. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. You were a coffee guy for a while, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so I love coffee so much. Mm -hmm. Like making it so much fun. I miss it. Yeah. I just got offered a part-time job doing it, and I turned it down because it was too too busy this summer with doing art stuff, which I should prioritize. But mm -hmm. I, I would love to make it again. Just like a part-time job? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you weren't painting, what do you think you'd want to do? Oh, gosh. Honestly, if I wasn't painting, I would do, I would start my own business. And I think it would be something like with, with a restaurant or something. Yeah. I still want to do that at some point. Like, I always have a dream that, like, me and my brother would do that. Mm. Like, open up some sort of little restaurant of sorts. I don't know. Yeah, are insane. This is so you good. Like good. Yeah. Cool. Did you guys both get drinks? I did not. Oh, okay. We're uh, podcasting right now, so. Sorry. No, no, no. What good. do you have to say about your waffles? I am a culinary wizard. Yeah. That's. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, I think I do something food. Cool. Always that question of what I'd do if I wasn't painting. It's like, I think of not quitting painting. I think of quitting painting quite often. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, then I get panicked because I'm like, shoot, what else am I going to do? And I, the reality is like, whatever you do, it's going to require a lot of yeah. work and discipline and so painting I've decided that painting even though those things are what frustrate me of my lack of self-motivation or discipline or whatever that make me want to quit that uh, I'll face those realistically in anything I mm -hmm. pursue mm -hmm. maybe it's just the way that I, I like to pursue things like as like I like to do things as well as I possibly can and Sometimes, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse because then sometimes I'm like way too hard on yeah. myself. But I realized that would that would take place within anything that I try to do and getting to that frustration point and wanting to rage quit. So I keep painting. I think, I think as an artist, it's really, I mean, I think everybody, you compare yourself to other people and what other people are doing. And, yeah. And that can be very dangerous and steal a lot of your joy away from you and what you're doing and I found myself like you know you see this person's painting you're like wow I really want to adopt some of that into my work or even like to a point where you're like I wish I painted like that you know and and I realized that I was doing that with so many people of such like if I put this person's work and this person's work then together who I've really looked at and yeah. wanted to emulate and then this I wanted to emulate. I'm like, wow, their works are so different. Yeah. And pulling a third and a fourth and I'm like, I am so attracted to all these things. And what I realized was that, that thing that when you do look at too much work and you start to feel like, wow, why am I painting? My stuff is crap or whatever. I realized that 
that came from that comparison and wanting something that was like not me mm -hmm. wanting in an unhealthy way like I think there's a good way to like look at someone's work and study it and like learn what you can and then but but use it as as study right and I realized when I did see all I there was all these artists that I did just love their work so much and would love to paint like and I realized how vastly different they were from each other yeah and how much room there is for so many incredible voices to exist simultaneously mm -hmm. that I too have that voice yeah and I just have to be at some point like just be like all right like pursue my voice and who I am exactly. I think we want to run away from ourselves so much mm -hmm. and that's what I realized it was actually by going to Paris oh yeah this last uh, month that I realized that and like I I have something to say. It's like when you listen to a musician, mm -hmm. like Garth Brooks, mm -hmm. <laughs> you hear you hear their voice, and you are attracted. Like you know their voice, and they could sing any song, and you're like, I that is them. Like yeah, like we were in the car listening to Rufus Wainwright. Yeah, and it's like if you hear his voice, and if he's doing a cover or his own song, you're like, that is Rufus Wainwright, and whether you like him or not, but I like him because of that sound of his voice. Right, and he can sing someone else's music or this but it comes back to his voice that's what people are attracted to yeah it's something that you see of how they approach and then within the visual world yeah how they how they approach uh, a painting and then how they they put it on canvas and it's those things that you're attracted to like that's the voice of somebody I love how they put the, the paint on there yeah and everybody does it differently yeah and there's room for everybody who wants to pursue it. Like, why is my, mine isn't any less than anybody else's? Yep. Yes. Yep. Oh, I agree. Totally. You know? And it's hard to get there for me because I'm always like, I'm so self-deprecating. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I suck. I'm not worth anything. <laughs> but that's, that's not the reality. That's just the narrative I've always told myself. And I'm no, learning to get out of that. You, yeah. I, and I think that you've got these two large paintings in here are really powerful pieces. We finished our breakfast at the gallery, jumped back in the car, and headed to the Garth Brooks concert. As a quick side note, we just sold last week the painting that is featured in that Southwest Art Magazine article, 21 under 31. So, that's awesome. There's a letter from Anders, the Swedish Cassandian player. Hi, Richie. Yes, such an unusual magic Venetian moment, which only this city seems to be able to bring. Thanks also to its human dimension, the quiet, no cars, the size, small streets, small bridges, all conducive to real, simple, natural human encounters, and possibly, might I add, that everyone feels more or less inspired, amazed, and awe in the face of such ancient beauty with beauty with standing still. The wear of time, and especially with the added miracle that the city holds up in the face of water. So, indeed, it is also awesome and miraculous, but also very touching somehow, hard to explain. I hear Vivaldi when I walk, walk around somehow. His music resonates in the old stones somehow for me. Like for you, art is essential and part of your being. Music for me is essential, a language of its own, a language which starts when words are insufficient to describe things we aspire towards, higher or wider or deeper in our hopes, 
emotions, dreams. I also am a bit of a philosopher, haha. <laughs> I woke up late, need to get ready, go to an internet cafe, easier than to use my Android mobile, to check if I can prolong a few days more in Venice. I'll keep you posted, and if so, we could once re-meet for a coffee or sandwich, and then on the bridge so I can see the continuation of your masterpiece of Le Pont des Supio. In any case, I want to repeat what I hastily mumbled to you last night, which is that it touches and reassures me to see young, intelligent, sensitive, creative, and aware young persons like yourself do what they do, stick to it, and go for it. Not a given in the world we live in. Mm. Cheers for the while. And I won't forget to send the pics ASAP. Anders. It's oh, so cool. Yeah. Beautiful. Wait, where are we going? <laughs> We're just driving around. <laughs> we have a Garth Brooks concert against each other. We cannot just lollygag. Um, tell me, tell me what Garth Brooks means to you. <laughs> oh, oh. So Garth Brooks is like I grew up listening to him, and I am like, like if you saw me, no one would think I'd be a, a country fan at all. And like people finding out that I like Garth Brooks, they're quite surprised, but. It's a very nostalgic. Oh, and it's I, so good. I listened to it so much, you know, 20 years ago that hearing songs for the first time this week as I've been trying to re, yeah, re catch up, you know, um, I like still know all the words. Yeah. Oh man. It's like come right back. But I'm. I used to watch his concerts on TV. Like whenever he'd play, we'd sit down and like watch the concert, and it'd just be like it was my dream to go to a concert of his one day. That, that I never thought was going to happen because he really only played in Vegas and he stopped touring and it's like, I'd never afford a concert and then, lo and behold, two weeks ago, found out he was coming to Billings. Jumped on that quick. Hot damn. Hot damn. Well, that's a nice car. <coughs> okay. Tell me about, uh... <laughs> Tell me about your, uh... Your music. You you uh, are a songwriter, a performer, a sought-after performer. Yeah. You've even performed in the gallery. I have. Tell us about that. Oh, that that was I was a little upset about that. Okay. Why? I just recently forgave Pete for pulling me up on stage. Does that mean I? Of, like all these people I don't even know, and, I, we're, and this was at, at Montana Gallery at, during during the Young Guns show. Does that mean I know and then, lo and behold, his roommate Pete's up there playing halfway through a set. It's like we got a special performance from none other but. Carter, one of the artists, and I had no idea. I had already closed that door hours earlier with Tyler saying I wasn't going to play. I took the train up to Hiroshima. It was so bright. And I didn't move. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going. 
I took the train down to Nagasaki I never thought I'd see it twice But actually, I had a cool realization from that because I didn't have time to like overthink and get nervous so I got up there and I actually wasn't nervous and I like I remembered all the words type of thing I didn't feel like I was like overthinking and like getting yeah having those nerves affect the actual performance so it ended up being like you know really enjoying it and people liked it they liked the sounds of it so um yeah but, so what uh, you're saying... <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Thank you for pushing me out of my comfort zone. On to the concert. Okay, I didn't record any of the concert. So on to after the concert. Richie, what do you think? How are you feeling? I feel so happy. Yes. Just like full of... Happiness. <laughs> Full of happiness. Yeah. He's so great. So great. I've never he like he put so much into his like performance. Yeah. I felt like I was worried that it was gonna be like, oh the midday concert, he has another one, it was just kinda and I think he kinda fed off the crowd as well. And he was just like, Alright, you guys are giving everything, I'll give everything to you. Oh, he played every single song I wanted. Yeah. At the end, I was like, I was like, standing up beside the fire, he's got to play that. And I know, like, and that's what I Lauren, said, realized at the end. I was like, yeah. Laura's like, like, you have to yell plan. at him. I was like, no, I'm standing up there. And then he played, he just started playing. I was like, yes. Well, the time has come to bring this episode to an end. But first, Richie has one last thing to say. Ladies and gentlemen, hobos and tramps, cross-eyed mosquitoes and bow-legged ants, I stand here before you because I'm not standing behind you to tell you a story I know nothing about. One bright day in the middle of the night, two dead boys stood up to fight. They drew their swords and shot each other. A deaf policeman heard the noise and shot the two dead boys. If you do not believe this lie is true, ask the blind man who saw it through a knot hole in the barbed wire fence. If you still don't believe this lie is true, there will be a ladies' board meeting meeting with you men only, admission free, pay at the door, pull up a chair and sit on the floor. <laughs> Love it! Yes! Oh. Wow. That was in there. Just that was that in there out deep, of the, out of the files. <laughs> out of the files. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard that? No. Oh, really? What the hell? I don't know. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Montana Gallery Podcast. Until next time, happy painting to everyone. This is it. This is goodbye. Bye, Tyler. Bye, Tyler. <laughs> I see you in the... Yeah. yeah. All right, you guys have a blast. He was not alone In the trench that was his grave It measured three feet In the mud that washed his face It should be different On the eve of Christmas Day
he'd heard a legend had he lasted two more hours this hell would be They flickered as the clock struck straight above. The stars they whispered while the night kept silent. Rising in many tongues.